Section 12 of Poems 1686 by Anne Killigrew. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Miseries of Man In that so temperate soil, Arcadia named, For fertile pasturage by poets famed, Stands a steep hill, whose lofty jetting crown Casts o'er the neighbouring plains a seeming frown. Close at its mossy foot an aged wood, Composed of various trees there long has stood, Whose thick united tops scorn the sun's ray, And hardly will admit the eye of day. By oblique windings through this gloomy shade, has a clear purling stream its passage made. The nymph, as discontented, seemed to have chose this sad recess to murmur forth her woes. To this retreat, urged by tormenting care, the melancholy Chloris did repair, as a fit place to take the sad relief of sighs and tears to ease oppressing grief. Near to the morning nymph she chose a seat, and these complaints did to the shades repeat. Ah, wretched, truly wretched, humane race, your woes from what beginning shall I trace? Where end from your first feeble newborn cries to the last tears? that wet your dying eyes? Man, common foe, assailed on every hand, finds that no ill does neuter by him stand. Inexorable death, lean poverty, pale sickness, ever sad captivity. Can I, alas, the several parties name, which mustered up the dreadful army frame? and sometimes in one body all unite, sometimes again do separately fight, while sure success on either way does wait, either a swift or else a lingering fate. But why gainst thee, O death, should I inveigh, that to our quiet art the only way? And yet I would, could I thy dart command, cry, here, O oh, strike, and there, O oh, hold thy hand. Thee loved the happy and the youthful spare, and end the sad, the sick, the poor man's care. But whether thou, or blind, or cruel art, whether tis chance or malice guides thy dart, thou from the parents arms dost pull away, the hopeful child their ages only stay. The two whom friendship in dear bands has tied, thou dost with a remorseless hand divide. Friendship, the cement that does faster twine, two souls than that which soul and body join. Thousands have been, who their own blood did spill, but never any yet his friend did kill. Then gainst thy dart, 
what armour can be found, Who, where thou dost not strike, dost deepest wound? Thy pity than thy wraths more bitter far, Most cruel where t'would seem the most to spare. Yet thou of many evils are but one, Though thou by much too many art alone. What shall I say of poverty, whence flows? Too miserable man so many woes. Ridiculous evil, which too oft we prove, Does laughter cause, where it should pity move. Solitary ill, into which no eye, Though near so curious, ever cares to pry. And were there among such plenty only one, Poor man, he certainly would live alone. Yet poverty does leave the man entire, But sickness nearer mischiefs does conspire, Invades the body with a loathed embrace, Prides both its strength and beauty to deface. Nor does its malice in these bounds restrain, but shakes the throne of sacred wit, the brain, and with a near enough detested force, reason disturbs and turns out of its course. Again, when nature some rare peace has made, on which her utmost skill she seems to have laid, polished, adorned the work with moving grace, and in the beauteous frame a soul doth place, so perfectly composed it makes divine, each motion word and look from thence does shine. This goodly composition, the delight of every heart and joy of every sight, its peevish malice has the power to spoil and with a sullied hand its lustre soil. The grief were endless that should all bewail, against whose sweet repose thou dost prevail. Some freeze with agues, some with fevers burn, whose lives thou half out of their holds dost turn, and of whose sufferings it may be said, they living feel the very state of the dead. Thou in a thousand several forms art dressed, And in them all dost wretched man infest. And yet as if these evils were too few, Men their own kind with hostile aims pursue. Not heaven's fierce wrath, nor yet the hate of hell, not any plague that ere the world befell, not inundations, famines, fires, blind rage, did ever mortals equally engage, as man does man, more skilful to annoy, both mischievous and witty to destroy. The bloody wolf, the wolf does not pursue, the boar, though fierce, his tusk will not imbrue, in his own kind, bears not on bears do prey, then art thou man, 
more savage far than they. And now methinks I present do behold the bloody fields that are in fame enrolled. I see, I see thousands in battle slain, the dead in dying cover all the plain. Confused noises here, each way sent out, the vanquished's cries joined with the victor's shout. Their sighs and groans who draw a painful breath and feel the pangs of slow approaching death. Yet happier these, far happier are the dead, than who into captivity are led, what by their chains and by the victor's pride, we pity these and envy those that died. And who can say, when thousands are betrayed, to widowhood, orphans or childless maid, whither the day does draw more tears or blood, a greater crystal or a crimson flood. The faithful wife, who late her lord did arm, and hoped to shield by holy vows from harm, followed his parting steps with love and care, sent after weeping eyes while he afar, rod heated on, borne by a brave disdain, may now go seek him, lying among the slain. Low on the earth she'll find his lofty crest, and those refulgent arms which late his breast did guard by rough encounters broke and tore his face and hair with brains all clotted o'er, and warlike weeds besmeared with dust and gore. And will the suffering world never bestow upon the cursed causers of such woe a vengeance that may parallel their loss, fix public thieves and robbers on the cross? such as call ruin conquest in their pride, and having plagued mankind in triumph ride, like that renounced murderer who stains in these our days Alsatia's fertile plains, only to fill the future tromp of fame, though greater crimes than glory it proclaim. Alcides, scourge of thieves, return to earth, which uncontrolled gives such monsters birth. On sceptred Caucus, let thy power be shown. Pull him not from his den, but from his throne. Clouds of black thoughts, her further speech here broke. Her swelling grief, too great was to be spoke which struggled long in her tormented mind, till it some vent by sighs and tears did find. And when her sorrow something was subdued, she thus again her sad complaint renewed. Most wretched man were the ills I named before, all which I could in thy sad state deplore. Did things without alone gainst thee prevail? My tongue I'd chide that them I did bewail. 
But shame to reason, thou art seen to be Unto thyself the fatalest enemy. Within thy breast the greatest plagues to bear, First them to breed, and then to cherish there. Unmanaged passions, which the reins have broke, Of reason, and refuse to bear its yoke. But hurry thee, uncurbed from place to place, A wild, unruly, and an uncouth chase. Now cursed gold does lead the man astray, False flattering honours do anon betray. Then beauty does, as dangerously delude, Beauty that vanishes while tis pursued, That, while we do behold it, fades away, And even a long encomium will not stay. Each one of these can the whole man employ, Nor knows he anger, sorrow, fear, or joy. But what to these relate, no thought does start, Aside but tends to its appointed part. No respite to himself from cares he gives, But on the rack of expectation lives. If crossed, the torment cannot be expressed, Which boils within his agitated breast. Music is harsh, all mirth is an offence, The choicest meats cannot delight his sense. Hard as the earth, he feels his downy bed, His pillow stuffed with thorns that bears his head. He rolls from side to side, in vain seeks rest, For if sleep comes, at last to thee distressed. His troubles then cease not to vex him too, But dreams present what he does waking do. On the other side, if he obtains the prey, And fate to his impetuous suit gives way, be he or rich, or amorous, or great, He'll find this riddle still of a defate, That only care for bliss he home has brought, Or else contempt of what he so much sought. So that on each event, if we reflect, The joys and sufferings of both sides collect, We cannot say where lies the greatest pain, in the fond pursuit, loss, or empty gain. And can it be, Lord of the sea and earth, Offspring of heaven that to thy state and birth, Things so incompatible should be joined, Passions should thee confound to heavens assigned, Passions that do the soul unguarded lay, And to the strokes of fortune ope away. Wert not that these thy force did from thee take, How bold, how brave, resistance wouldst thou make? Defy the strength and malice of thy foes, Unmoved stand the world's united blows? For what is't man unto thy better part, That thou or sick or poor or captive art? Since no material stroke the soul can feel, the smart of fire, or yet the edge of steel, 
as little can it worldly joys partake, though it the body does its agent make, and jointly with it servile labour bear, for things, alas, in which it cannot share. Survey the land, and see by heavens embraced, thou'lt find no sweet the mortal soul can taste. Why dost thou then, O man, thyself torment, good here to gain, or evils to prevent, who only miserable or happy art, as thou neglects or wisely act'st thy part? For shame then rouse thyself as from a sleep, the long-neglected reins let reason keep, the chariot mount, and use both lash and bit, nobly resolve, and thou wilt firmly sit, fierce anger, boggling fear, pride prancing still, bounds hating hope, desire which naught can fill, are stubborn all, but thou mayst give them law, they're hard-mouthed horses, but they well can draw, Lash on, and thee well-governed chariot drive, Till thou a victor at the goal arrive, Where thee free soul does all her burden leave, And joys commensurate to herself receive. End of section 12